And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Bertie Leonard. Hopefully, you guys had a great weekend. Uh, a lot to get to today. A ton to get to today. I was joined by my good friend, Stephen Harriot of CatholicVote.org. Um, it's always a great time talking to Stephen. We, we covered a lot of ground. Um, we talked about President Trump's excellent decision not to, not to attack Iran um, last Thursday night. Um, we talked about uh, Bernie Sanders' ridiculous proposal from this morning to eliminate um, all student loan debt. Um, and we talked about the Democratic field and what we're looking forward to or not looking forward to um, later this week <laughs> uh, when the first debate uh, happens. Um, yeah, we, we covered a lot. I'm sure you guys will like it. It's always a great time talking to Stephen, um, so enjoy. Um, before I get to Stephen, real quick, uh, I have to remind you guys, follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod, and if you haven't already, I don't know what's wrong with you, but if you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play um, so you get notifications when we upload new shows. Um, and if you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I would really appreciate that. All right, without further ado, here's my chat with Stephen Harriet. All right, guys, we're here with Stephen Harriet from CatholicVote.org. Stephen, thanks for taking the time, my friend. Thank you for having me again. Of course, of course. So, uh, yeah, a lot to get to today, as always. Um, I know I start off every show by saying that, uh, but let's start uh, with last week. Um, man, Thursday night, Stephen, um, I was extremely proud of my president, probably more proud than I've been of an American president in a long, long time. Um, backing up even further, last week, I believe it was last Sunday or Monday, um, the Iranians shot down an unmanned drone uh, that was flying in uh, international airspace over the Gulf, or the uh, Strait of Hormuz, rather, off the Iranian coast. Uh, the Pentagon planned a retaliatory strike on three Iranian military targets, and before Trump was going to give the green light, uh, he just simply asked the generals, how many people are going to die? Um, the generals got back to him and said roughly 150 people, and Trump called it off. Um, so yeah, man, like this is the kind of restraint uh, we've all been waiting for for our entire adult lives. <laughs> I think you're about my age. I'm 30. So uh, yeah, this is not uh, this kind of restraint is something we've not seen from the president, any president in in a long, long time. So uh, yeah, man, your thoughts. I agree. I was very proud of our president. The same thing. I felt all 2016y again. It was wonderful. Oh yeah, he ran, I know, man. Yeah, he ran as the uh, as the dove candidate, as the anti-war candidate, and uh, it's been said that everyone is anti-war until they're elected, uh, and, and many of us were beginning to be concerned that that's what was happening. With the people he chose to draw near to him, Bolton among them, uh, we were seeing more and more neocons who had dangerous foreign policy positions uh, in his inner circle, and we were we thought we had lost him, and uh, it was scary. And and so what ha- happened in Iran? Uh, that decision that uh, to to pull back and and to exercise restraint, as you say, uh, was was just uh, uh, I think it's so significant um, because of the tense the tense buildup of thinking we've lost him. It was so significant that I th- think it actually it secured his reelection in 2020. 
that one is yeah, he doesn't mess it up. I totally agree. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree, man. I totally agree. Um, I, I mean, obviously, his his stance on war, especially juxtaposed with Hillary Clinton, was a big reason why I voted for him. Yeah. And I, I, I know I'm not alone there. I know I speak for a lot yeah. of people um, in that regard. And, man, this is just common sense, Stephen. I mean, this is just common sense. I mean, look, I, I'm not, I'm not like a... I'm not an Iranian apologist, and I'm not even—I'm pretty damn isolationist, but I'm not even as far as, like, a Ron Paul isolationist. Like, I do think, like, we, we there is cause to use our military in the Middle East sometimes, you know what I mean? But, like, I, I don't understand how anybody—including and including people that I respect and, and, and admire and, and friends of ours, uh, I'm sure if <laughs> you've seen it too—the consensus is that killing 150 Persians was appropriate as a response to uh, to shooting down an unmanned drone. How? How is that How is that the consensus view? I mean, we're talking about human beings here. How, what am I... I mi- like, put yourself in, no. in the neocon shoes. What the hell are we missing? I, I've never understood. It, I've been actually asked that during radio spots, um, particularly when I was writing about the fallout from military interventions that were half-hearted uh, or not planned well. Uh the victims of the of the results of those um, mishaps in in places like Libya and Syria and of course Iraq. Um, when I've talked about that on on, on radio spots in the past, uh, talking about the minorities who were slaughtered and by genocidal jihadists after our uh, military blunders, uh, I've been asked why why are we doing this? And my answer was just I don't know. It helps to believe in the devil because it's so it's so senseless. I don't. I don't understand the motive uh, uh, other than malevolence. So I, I do. Yeah, I get lost. I don't get it. Yeah, neither do I. And look, like, I'm not saying we shouldn't respond at all when Iran shoots down our drone. But I mean, that's not what I'm saying. And actually, today, uh, just just before we started recording, uh, Trump signed an order to increase sanctions on Iran. So I don't know. That might be appropriate. Sure. But like, look, these these drones cost about 180 million dollars. So it would seem to me, and, and no no one died, they shot down a, a just a $180 million piece of equipment. Why can't we just identify a $180 million piece of military equipment that they have and you know tell all the human beings in the area to get the hell out and then blow it away? Like, what's so hard about that? It Doesn't that seem like an appropriate response? Like, why? I mean, can't we just find a $180 million camel and shoot it in the ass? Like, it, it, that seems appropriate to me, and I'd be fine with that. Like, yeah, it's not very nice to shoot down American drones. Maybe we should shoot down one of their unmanned things. I don't know if really, I don't know if they have drones. I'm not sure. They don't have much of an Air Force, but... We, we have no... Like, yeah, what am, what am I, the, I... I don't get the it. The American man. public does not have... Uh, we have a complete demoralization. When it comes to war, we've been lied into them enough times that it's a... that there's no confidence on the part of the American public that there's anything to... I mean, honestly... It no longer sounds fringe to say things about false flag operations at all because it's happened so many times. We, 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 with the, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the children being ripped out of incubators, totally made up uh, to get us to war. Weapons of mass destruction, sarin gas particles. Uh, a lot of this stuff has been has been debunked to the point where where people are just rolling their eyes when they hear this. So I mean, go back to the Gulf of Tonkin. Yeah. I mean, there's a long history of this. And man, like, 
like I said, I'm not Ron Paul on, on the issue of war. Like I'm a hell of a lot closer to Ron Paul than I am Lindsey Graham, of course. Well, and then, but here's like, the I, thing: is that it, the significant thing is that it, it 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 isn't shameful and embarrassing and bizarre and surprising to be a Ron Paul, there, there, and it, sh- it right. shouldn't be jeered at. It's you know, uh, like I, I, one commentator who I admire in a lot of regards uh, tweeted the other day about. Uh, Tucker Carlson needs to be needs to stop what he's doing uh, and stop with the dangerous labeling of all neocons as as, uh, you know, warmongers. And I'm like, how is that dangerous? Why do you use the word dangerous? It it would be dangerous to to uh, to to uh, stand up to uh, neocons foreign policy. Why have you why don't you ever talk about the danger of neocons foreign policies? You know? That's more dangerous. That's what leads to massive loss of human life. Not Ron Paul. <laughs> Jeez. Right, right. Right. And look, I feel the same way. Well, a couple things. Like, I, I'm in a whole bunch of, like, you know, group chats and stuff, private group messages on, on Twitter and stuff. With other, I look you know, forward to those coming to light. And... <laughs> yeah, okay. <Yeah. laughs> oh, please, God, no. But, um, <laughs> but a lot of people were just flabbergasted by my views on this. Like, they... they like friends of mine, people I, I respect deeply, couldn't understand my reasoning behind not killing 150 Persians because they shot down an unmanned drone. It's like, dude, look, my views on war are very simple. Like, it, they seem like common sense to me, and you'll probably agree. I mean, let, let me know if you agree with any of my analysis here, but, like, it's, it's very simple. Like, going into Afghanistan to kill Osama bin Laden, good. Invading Iraq for no reason, bad. Defending Israel, good. Attacking Libya for absolutely no reason, leading to a destabilization of half of North and Central Africa and an open slave trade and the deaths of 75,000 civilians. Bad. Mm-hmm. World War One, a war that started for absolutely no reason and was a war between a whole bunch of monarchs. Bad. World War Two, we were attacked by the Japanese and we had to stop Hitler from conquering the planet. Good. <laughs> so it's like Vietnam, proxy war with Russia for no reason. Bad. Mm-hmm. You know, like, my views are, like, at least in my mind, it, these seem like very simple concepts. Like, I, I don't understand what's so hard for all these, these people to understand. Yeah, they're arguable is the point. And the problem, we have too, we have too many Max Boots out here. Uh, I mean, this is the thing I say to a lot of people that I meet in person around Madison, Wisconsin, by the way. So I, I meet far leftists. Um, it is, and I find many of them agree with this, fringe right positions, particularly like the ones against war. Um, I, I think that it's there's something really, really disingenuous. Everyone rolls their eyes, except for Washington insiders, when they hear those views uh, dismissed as just bizarre and unconscionable, you know? And, you know, that's, that's what annoys me. Like, uh, people warning about uh, uh, Alex Jones, who's going to... He is so dangerous and voices like his must be rejected and we must all band together to reject this disgusting commentator. And I'm like, I'm more afraid of Nikki Haley than I am of Alex Jones. Like, even just sticking on the commentary side, like Bill Crystal is a thousand times more dangerous than Alex Jones. Right. His, like, I, I, do not fe- I do not fear Alex Jones. Right. I mean, we're talking about the, let's compare and contrast. Alex Jones apparently said at one point that Sandy Hook was a was a false flag operation. It was a hoax. OK. And I and, I, and I'm supposed to be you know, that's a national em- 
emergency and this man needs to be completely unpersoned. But, you know, then you've got people in the State Department uh, and, and in the mainstream media who, who essentially called uh, the genocide of minorities under jihad a hoax. They, I mean, they, they, they downplayed it to the point of almost denying a Holocaust as it happened for like a decade. That's much more offensive, you know? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And another issue where I, I got this pushback from people on our side, like people, you know, from conservatives and libertarians and, and everybody, people on the right, was about the uh, the criminal justice reform bill that passed. Uh, I believe that was, what, early last year, maybe first or second quarter of, of 2018. And, and a lot of conservatives hated it. They're like, well, you know, people that haven't served enough time might get out. And I said, OK. But if that means the people that have been rotting away in a cage for way too long also get out, I'll take that bet. I mean, yeah, I, that, that's a great that that that's that's fantastic because I view things like war, I view things like prison as what they are. I mean, war is is death. I mean, we're, these are human beings, uh, and that are dying. And, and in my perspective, as a as a Christian, going to hell if they haven't accepted Jesus. So, it, it, like, it, this isn't life and death. This is actually heaven and hell, which is much more important than life and death, at least to me. And I'm sure you agree with that, Stephen. Mm. And criminal justice reform, like, prison is not an abstract—like, war is not abstract. It's real. Like, prison is not an abstract concept. Like, it is a steel cage built to keep human beings in. It's not this, like, theoretical yeah, so, thing in Narnia yeah. or Westeros. So, it's it's here. So, like, I view these things as what they are, not these abstract—like, politicians, and like you said, the, the Washington insiders, like the elites, they view these things as, you know, pieces on a chessboard, right. not the actual real things that they are. Yeah, I think that's great. I, I think your analysis actually reminds me of the just war tradition of thought that was developed and— then eventually kind of uh, uh, finalized, in a sense, and put into our catechism in the Catholic tradition. And, uh, yeah, the way it, 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 it had principles for weighing whether a war is just, whether it would be just to enter a war. And it talked about um, the principles were, uh, first of all, uh, every other uh, strategy should be exhausted because war should be a last resort. Second of all, um, the damage that results from going to war should not outweigh the damage that going to war ostensibly is supposed to prevent. You see right. what I mean? And so it can't have outcomes that are even worse than the, than, than the, the going to war shouldn't have outcomes that are even worse than the alternative. Um, and, and then uh, finally, is you should have reasonable prospects of success is the third principle. You should be, uh, there should be a chance of winning, a good chance of winning. Um, otherwise you're just getting into a quagmire and you, in those principles, because it's a, a weighty matter that could involve massive loss of human life, you have to be very conscientious and you apply those principles. Well, I think that you, you just applied similar reasoning to, uh, prison reform and you can apply it to a lot of different things where you say, well, let's look at how severe the stakes are. Let's how, how heavy is this? If it's very heavy, we should err on on the side of uh, of uh, of uh, peace, of, of not doing grave damage, right? So yeah, I like that. I think, and we we talked about this privately the other day, but I think Trump, President Trump, is maturing into the job. 
I, mean, I, th- I think it is like changing him for the better, mm. if that makes sense. You know, like he, I, I do think he, I mean, like, look, making this call to call off the strike, I mean, like, making the decision that killing 150 people is not equivalent to shooting down an unmanned drone, that seems like common sense. Yeah. Every president should make that call, but hardly any of them do. Um, this just shows, like, maybe the bar has been set very, very low by at least the, the, the last couple presidents we've had. But this just shows that Trump's a, a human being. Like, he's, he's, a, he's a human being that cares about other human beings. Like, he's not a lizard person or something. You know, like, maybe we've been so beaten down by, by bad presidents, but, I mean, that, that's being a human that, that cares about other humans seems like a very low bar, but, uh, I mean, he's actually lived up to that. <laughs> that, that standard. I think this does say something about the president's character. I think it's hilarious that uh, he takes actions like these, which are uh, just exceptionally ethical. Right. And makes his enemies look like monsters. And it's what's hilarious about it is that he is so manifestly and superficially an unethical man. Right. Um, <laughs> And it, it really is a it's a really is good. He is an occasion for meditation. And it really is humbling to think about it. like the guy has, a, you know, an apparently fake tan. He's really brash. He's a woman. I mean, like womanizer, all of these things that are just so like superficially offensive and then realizing, wow, he is uh, uh, can be uh, heroic on occasion. And this was an example of that. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It's it's wild stuff, man. More of this, though, please. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and like you said, like it, it, I, obviously my my original thought, I was just so happy that we weren't starting another war. So happy that he chose not to kill all these these brown people uh, in a country that we haven't already been bombing brown people. Um, but also politically too. And you you mentioned this at the beginning of the show that you know I think this, and I agree with you that this dramatically helps his re-election efforts a lot of people i mean like and we've we've talked we've mentioned a couple times the american people are not where washington dc is on the issue of war especially after what eight we're coming up on 18 years of this bs so uh you know i think this is it's very unpopular in dc very unpopular at the state department but i think this is extremely popular with the american people and it has to be i would think so yeah no i actually I, and, and, and i'll tell you I, I i talked with some far leftists uh who were originally Bernie supporters in 2016, and they and they were happy. Wow. Yeah, I, I definitely think if he keeps this up, it can it can move the needle. Um, let, let's talk about Bernie Sanders real quick. Mm-hmm. Changing gears here, he had his idiotic press conference this morning, talking about how when he's president, he's going to eliminate all student loan debt. Um, he made a. And I'm not even going to get into that, like, as a policy point. And it's obviously ridiculous. And the funny thing, too, is he used the example, like, oh, well, we bailed out the big banks. We bailed out Wall Street. So we should definitely bail out college kids, too. Which is, like, I don't know if that's the selling point he thinks it is. Like, hey, we did this awful thing. Let's double down and do another awful thing. So, like, I really don't understand. And we're obviously $22 trillion plus in debt, all that. I, we don't even need to get into that because um, it's just asinine. But uh, you might disagree with me here. But I think I just want to talk about Bernie Sanders generally. As I was hearing him speak this morning, I couldn't help but think if Bernie, like Bernie's not going to be president, like he's just not. Like if it's going to be, they'll either nominate Joe Biden or if they do nominate a socialist, it'll be somebody like uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris, probably. You know, because they have you know vaginas. 
but and Bernie Sanders nine is nine thousand years old. But I think if they get their way and they start getting you know Marxists elected president and and stuff like that, and they they do what they want to do and, and destroy the country and and turn us into like this authoritarian socialist state. Like Bernie Sanders will go down in history as like the most one of the most evil, destructive men in the history of the country. Like he'll be in the category of like a Jefferson Davis or something like that, because he's the guy who Leroy Jenkins, the Democratic Party, like he's the one that turned him into a bunch of commies. Like you don't have all these these socialists running. You don't have all these AOCs and Ilhan Omars and all these these vile people without Bernie Sanders doing what he did in, in 2015 and 2016. So what, what do you think about that? Do you, do you agree with that well, I mean- or disagree? Well, yes and no. I mean, we'll see. A lot of this is yet to play out. But one thing is that uh, Bernie Sanders had a certain populist appeal in 2016, meaning he appealed to people who were non-political, non-ideologues. He wasn't appealing to people because he was saying, look, look, the ideas of Karl Marx are good ideas. And here is why. Let me explicate, (laughs) you know, Leninism for you. People were just saying, oh, uh, here's a guy who cares and that was Trump's appeal as well, right? Trump, in fact, ended up winning a lot of Bernie's supporters, I think, uh, and could again, because Bernie dropped the ball and ended up endorsing the Wall Street candidate, the most filthy political insider possible. He ended up endorsing right. her. And, uh, and that was an offense against his base that I don't think he'll ever recover from, actually. But, um, but yeah, he was appealing. So, yes, I think his ideas are abominable because he he's an authoritarian leftist and that stuff is extremely wicked and harmful at the same time i think that he as a phenomenon does not represent that so much as uh, a sincere and sort of urgent uh moral concern for the american people something not far off from trumpism at least in its base sentiment so i would say yes and no i agree and disagree um i like bernie supporters i've noticed that trump supporters and Bernie supporters are more likely to get along than, say, uh, 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 neocons and the, and the average non-political Joe on the street. So, yeah, they both represent anti-establishment furor against, uh, uh, against uh, this sort of ruling class. And, and that's, 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 there's some merit to that. It's, it can be useful. Yeah, that's interesting. I, 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 I definitely see your point. Um, so do you think kind of generally with the, you know, I guess you could call it Corbinization of the the Democratic Party where there, there are, you know, a lot of Marxists are, are running and winning elections. Um, do you think it's more your average Bernie voter? So you're essentially saying like your average Bernie voter is not a Marxist. They're, they're they just see the appeal of like the kind of left-wing populism and they're more of a populist than anything else. Just somebody that, you know, the kind of the bleeding heart kind of, you know, let's just give away free shit and let's help people and stuff like that. They're not actually becoming socialists, you know, by definition. Not necessarily. No. In other words, they'd be just as happy. Uh, some of them proved my point by turning around from Bernie directly to Trump. Right. Because Trump used personal and moral language rather than wonkish language. He's, he, 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 as I've said before, in 2016, uh, Trump did, presented a conservatism that didn't say facts don't care about your feelings, but rather said, I care about your feelings. And that worked. Right. 
Right. And uh, it's been just been it's been absolutely revolutionizing and transforming the GOP ever since. Um, that at the same time, there is a danger that we should be careful with, right, of taking that kind of sentiment and then doing paternalistic policy moves that end up enslaving us to the state. But uh, right. that's not good. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, the, uh, uh, people are uh, that did resonate with people. He didn't say, here's my tax plan, point number one of 50, et cetera. Um, that's not what got him elected. What got him elected was he said, there are evil people in Washington who are trying to destroy your country and rip your families apart. And I'm going to I'm going to stick it to them, you know. Right. What would scare you more like a President Bernie Sanders or a President Joe Biden? Joe Biden. Like who would be who? Would, so do you think Joe Biden would be worse for the country? Absolutely. OK, so why? I, I, I'm interested. I, I don't I don't disagree with you. I, I haven't thought about yeah, that the, just off the top of my head. But the yeah. reason he'd be worse for the country is because of the 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 uh, repressive and insincere moral tone that he gives off. Uh, he would be a continuation of the status quo and he would uh, be a, a person that would lead to festering resentments just of the of the same kind that have been festering for the past uh, 15 or more years uh, from people who are like, I don't believe that anyone in Washington, D.C. is a human being like they're lizard people. They don't care. <laughs> you know, right. Uh, he continue to fester. the. You know, the, it, would, it would brew untold resentments uh, in comparison to uh, Bernie Sanders, where everyone would, would say, oh, I actually care. There's actually a fighting chance. There, there are people advocating for the American people in D.C., uh, although Bernie Sanders, again, I think that he lost that uh, perhaps irretrievably when he endorsed Hillary. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, Joe Biden, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I agree or disagree on, on who would be more destructive. I mean, either one of them would be a nightmare. But uh, I definitely do see your point. Joe Biden's funny, too. Like, both of us do care very deeply about uh, about foreign policy. Um, and Joe Biden has just been, like, hilariously wrong at every turn in his entire career in foreign policy. Like he voted for and championed the Iraq war. And mm-hmm. then he tried to convince president Obama not to take out Osama bin Laden. So like on both sides, on like the Warhawk side. And then just like the, the common, like it was common sense, like to kill the most wanted man on planet earth ever who just slaughtered 3000 Americans. He didn't want to do that, but mm-hmm. he voted for the Iraq war and stuff. So it's like, he's like, yeah. I don't even know how I don't think, you can I, be that wrong at every turn. I, I think, you know what I mean? I think he absolutely is uh, tone deaf to the current uh, spirit of politics, which is newly populist and moral. But whether it's morally wrong or not, right? I mean, in other words, the point is the, uh, the left has been doing this for years, and the right has only barely learned to do it too. Uh, presenting itself with unapologetic moral insistence. So the left has been making its arguments based on uh, not what's stupid uh, versus what's smart, but based on what is wrong and evil and wicked and bigoted ver- and hateful versus what is good and noble. That's the way left to, the left has been presenting itself for years, right? And the right has right. just realized, oh, we should do that too, rather than pushing our glasses up and saying, well, actually, you know, economically, that's a, not a good idea, you know? So, yeah. Are we ever going to... Are we ever going to reverse course on how somebody can get elected? I mean, I totally agree, and I, I 100% agree with you. That's why 
uh, Trump was elected. You know, he didn't say facts, don't care about your feelings. He said, you know, I care about you, the truck driver, the the construction worker in Youngstown, Ohio, that, that's been out of work and, you know, the whatever, the factory worker in Detroit that, that can't find a job. You know, I care about you. I, you know, we're going to bring your jobs back. Like, do you think... I think it's just a symptom of where we are in a country. Like, we have a very uneducated electorate. Like, you know, when you talk politics, and look at Paul Ryan, for God's sakes, for his entire career. Like, just this wonky policy guy that did nothing. He got nothing accomplished because nobody wanted to hear it. He was not able to move the needle one bit. Like, he he moved the ball forward not a single yard in his entire career because it's not what people wanted. Like, do you think we'll ever get to a point where you could elect a Calvin Coolidge? who is this boring, mild-mannered, quiet policy wonk no. who just campaigned on cutting taxes. Like, I would love that. Calvin Coolidge is by far my favorite president yeah. in U.S. history. That's I not, love, that's and I'm not... a policy wonk. Like, I love talking policy. Like, I would yeah. love that. But I, I don't know if we'll ever get back there. Yeah, that's, like, uh, do you think there's a chance we get back there? That's not in the cards. Not in the next uh, century, anyway. No. We've lost yeah. that. We, uh, politics is, is, is uh, way too animated and way too heated and warm and uh and and uh, about hearts and 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 blood uh now and uh, that didn't just happen in 2016 that's the way the left is again that's the way the left has been operating for a long time uh and now we're turning it around on them a good example right. for exa- actually a good example is fake news uh the, the concept of fake news um as i've argued before was deployed by the mainstream establishment left in 2016 they came up with the idea of dismissing, discrediting, and silencing outlets by calling them fake news. They created fake news guides, which were implemented in the curricula of leading, leading journalism schools. They actually wanted these guides to be implemented in public high schools to prevent a rising generation from tuning out the mainstream media by smearing all of their competition, you know, these upstart new commentators on the internet as fake right. news. The left invented the whole idea. Right. And uh, it turned got completely uh, uh, turned around on them. And now when you hear fake news, you think of Trump supporters dismissing the mainstream media. Uh, so they lost yeah, you control. Just think CNN, like C- CNN and fake news are synonymous at this point. Right. Exactly. So um, they completely lost control of that because under Trump and largely thanks to Trump to give him credit, uh, the right learned to uh, present itself in a similar way because they were like, like fake news is a plague. It's so horrible. And it's leading people to take up arms and shoot up pizza parlors. You know, it's dangerous. It's evil. It's just vile and wicked. We must silence these people like Alex Jones, for example. We have to shut them down because they're disgusting, immoral subhumans. Right. Right. That's the kind of rhetoric the left has always used. And usually it worked to, to marginalize people from elite uh, centers of influence and power. Uh, well, uh, Trump turned that completely around and Trump supporters and, and, and uh, other new voices have completely turned that around on them. Yeah, I think that's spot on. So later this week, now we have uh, right wingers saying things like we just had a leak comment where Trump ta- called warmongers disgusting. <laughs> you know, he said basically that I've got a contingent in my White House that are disgusting people. He's used a lot of language like that. And it, it, it's a to borrow a phrase from the left. It's a dog whistle to average Joes who are like, yeah, I'm, I'm not above suspecting that there are child sex rings in DC, <laughs> you know, <laughs> disgusting. 
flying people. Exactly right. Like pot-bellied goblins, as uh, Alex Jones famously says. These are <laughs> these people smell. They actually smell like sulfur, he says, you know, because he's talking kind of like, you know, your average. I mean, let's not pretend that's so bizarre. Do you not have an uncle? Like, come on. That's the way people talk. A lot of us. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, so one last point before I let you go, Stephen. Later this week, um, man, I, it kind of sucks working in politics. I'm going to I'm gonna have to watch this train wreck. But uh, the first Democratic debate, or debates, since it's like a two-day, eight-hour-long fiasco, uh, are this week. I believe Thursday and Friday. Or maybe Wednesday, Thursday. I may be wrong. I'm not sure. Um, each debate's going to be, what, three or four hours long. There's going to be something like 12 people on the stage on each each day. Um, what? Ha- Look, there's 25 announced candidates on the Democratic side. 25. Another guy just announced yesterday. I'd never even heard of him before. Some former congressman from Pennsylvania. I don't remember the guy's name. So there's 25 of them. They're going to be duking it out this week. Uh, are you going to be watching? Uh, what do you expect to happen? Uh, do you think any of them are going to stand out? Or uh, do you think any of them are going to actually put forth any reasonable policy proposals? Or is it just going to be like eight hours, two straight days of orange man bad? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that what they're going to be competing for is like I was talking about earlier. They're going to be competing for uh, which one of them can present themselves as the most uh, genuinely caring and real. And um, personally, I think that their best move would be to say, we want to abolish elections and just make Tulsi Gabbard queen for life. <laughs> I think she's by far the best candidate in it. It's bizarre and gross to see them try to, to, to destroy her just the same way they tried to destroy Bernie. Um, so if she plays her cards right and emphasizes the fact that, that, hey, the DNC hates me, ironically, the base that the DNC wants to appeal to would support her more. So um, but yeah, yeah, besides her, uh, I think uh, Elizabeth Warren has a fighting chance, but she would have to make a really strong move, which I'm surprised she hasn't made yet. Um, she needs to say, I made a genuine mistake when it comes to my heritage. I really thought that I was Native American. And it was an old family story. Well, as it turns out, we were all wrong. I'm not sure where the story came from. But I will say this. I was so confident that it was true that I willingly submitted myself to a DNA test. And I was shocked <laughs> and, and, and humiliated to discover that we had been uh, believed believers in a lie all this time. And it was really, really humiliating and hard for us to digest that. But I was confident in it. So you can't blame me for you can't say that I lied. If I was lying, why would I submit to a DNA test? Right. So if she says that, that she would be if she says that she'd be the, the nominee. I think she. But there, yeah, there's a zero percent chance. There's a zero percent chance she would say that. I think because she, these, well, these people don't she, apologize. Well, yeah. What she needs to do is she needs to say that. And then she needs to uh, absolutely uh, uh, blast the media for making such a big deal of it and say, what a toxic and disgusting uh, uh, public square we're in right now that you would denigrate uh, uh, people for honest and ordinary mistakes and denigrate their families for for, uh, an embarrassing moment in their, you know, this is so typical of the media. She needs to go after the media. Everyone should be going after the media. No one likes the media at all. 
So well, I know. mean, the, the media carries her water. You know, I mean, they they carry the. I mean, they'll they'll defend. If she could Democrats get them, if she could get anything. them not to carry her water, she'd be better off. If she could get them to hate her, she'd be better off. Oh, of course. I mean, Newt freaking Gingrich was almost the Republican nominee in 2012 because he attacked CNN. <laughs> like, like that, that guy, uh, he, I mean, he wasn't really proposing anything of substance. He just attacked the media, and nobody had done it before. And he was the front runner, Newt Gingrich, yeah. who'd been out of office for 15 years or 12 years or whatever and had, you know, a messy divorce and all of this. And, and he was not a very popular guy, but... It was just a breath of fresh air. People were like, finally, somebody's going after the media. But yeah, you're right. If one of the Democrats did it, they, they'd get a 10-point bump overnight because everybody hates the media. I mean, everybody, it's not just our side who hates the media. I have to imagine your average Democratic voter hates CNN just as much. I mean, they, they see through this BS. I'm not talking about the, the Democratic base, like the NPC kind of people, but I'm talking about your average Democrat voter in Wisconsin or Ohio. I'm sure they can't stand the corporate press the same way we can't. That's exactly right. Yeah, we have way more in common than uh, partisan uh, uh, pundits uh, inside of D.C. want anyone to think. You know, faith in God, hatred of the press. You know, these, other these good things. things. <laughs> you know, the the basics that bind us all together as a country. Stephen Harriet, thanks so much for doing this, man. I always love talking to you. Um, I'm sure we'll do it again soon. Uh, where can everybody follow you online and uh, read your stuff? Uh, where can everybody uh, check out your show as well, which is excellent, and I've recommended it before, and I will reiterate that now. Check out his show. It is excellent. Thank you very much. Yeah, you can find me online at, on, uh, on Twitter, at Stephen Harriet, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-H-E-R-R-E-I-D, and I am the uh, host and writer of uh, and director of CVTV, which is a project of CatholicVote.org, which you can find on Twitter and on CatholicVote.org, and the, the show is on YouTube, CVTV. TV. You can find that at youtube.com slash watch CVTV. Everybody check out the show. It is great. Everybody follow Stephen. Uh, he's a great Twitter follow as well. Um, that's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. Um.